Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, leaders, and lifelong learners with the hope of deconstructing some of the stereotypes around education. My objective as a teacher is to focus on the passion, humanity, and hope around education and to provide a platform for the myriad of voices that have something to say and teach us all. If you would like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at educatinglaura. Hello, thank you so much for deciding to spend a little bit of time with me today. I have a really lovely episode and this is going to be the last episode for season two or 2021. And it's a conversation that I have with an ex-student of mine that I now have the opportunity to teach with as a colleague. So it feels like a really nice ending to this season to reflect on my time as her teacher and now her as a teacher, her as a colleague of mine and an exceptional educator. Just a few little things to tell you about. The episode that I recorded with Ellen from Self Care for Teachers on Instagram. She has a podcast called The Teacher Wellbeing Podcast and I recorded with her a couple of weeks ago and it has come out now. It details a lot of the things that I've had to learn over the years in teaching both personally and professionally that were not great for my well-being and the way that I learned some of those lessons and unfortunately for me some of them were difficult lessons so I will put the link in the show notes for you if you would like to listen to that things that I haven't covered on here because it probably wasn't really the right platform whereas with Alan it was all about kind of self-care and well-being teacher well-being specifically and so there are some stories that I shared there very vulnerably to try and help other educators so link in the show notes for that if you would like to listen and not just my episode that podcast is fantastic there's loads and loads of episodes out there for you to listen to so I want to say thank you again to Ellen for having me I mentioned the last podcast that my thought for next year is to sort of change the tact and to look at the things that we perhaps need to be considerate of influencing education so rather than sort of going back to how it's always been done especially after such disruption through 2020 and 2021 with COVID looking at the things that are happening whether it's out in industry or just out in the world out in different professions that we need to be taking some stock of and potentially how education could look different and what sort of skills we want to start seeing out in the world that education is not really delivering as well as perhaps we could be so that's kind of my feeling for 2022 that's where I'd like to go I think with the podcast so if you can think of someone that you believe would be really worth speaking to if you are one of those people just reach out to me at educating Laura on Instagram as I said last episode from me for 2021 I am wishing all of you an incredible break and fun festive season Hopefully you're not going overboard with the spending because I think that can be something we all tend to do. I'm sure that good quality time together and some restful time is really the best medicine for right now, especially with the years that we've had. I would like to ask you, if you are listening, if you enjoy the podcast, please write a review. Please leave one. Apple Podcast is one of the easiest ones to leave a review on. Like the show, give it five stars. All of those things really, really help. And it's really nice to see you and to hear what you like about the podcast. I want to give a special shout out to 
Renee Mountford at Miss Mountford's Moments, who just left me a beautiful, beautiful review. And it means a lot to me. So I don't do this for any other reason than to share teacher stories, to empower this profession, to expose the realities of what it's all about and to help to help people wanting to get into this profession or, or people that are feeling isolated and alone in this profession. So a review really, really helps me and makes me feel, you know, like it's all worth it and that this information is going somewhere. If you do like this episode, one more thing, share it on social media, tag me at Educating Laura, and I will see you in 2022. Hey, Ebony, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Laura? Good, good. I thought that I would give the audience a little bit of a backstory. So my first year of teaching was in 2008, and that is the year that we met, and you were in year eight at the time. Correct. Sounds like a long time ago. Would you like to describe our first meeting? I don't remember the first meeting, but we met obviously through productions. So you were the choreographer. It was high school musical. I was one of the cast members and I don't remember specifically the first time that I met you, but I do remember you teaching us the dances and you obviously knew, so it was a new person to get used to. You put me in some very awkward moves on the stage which I was okay with Um, I was waiting for you to bring this up because we've spoken about the fact that I made you freeze in some like kind of lunge position for a long time which I don't remember yeah so it was really awkward for you uh yeah I mean it was something different we did uh, I think it was in that status quo song and we were cheerleaders and I was at the front and you decided that yeah I should be sort of mid stretch with the legs out to the side and yeah it felt like eternity but I wouldn't (laughs) change it it was very fun (laughs) it's so funny I reflect on that time and you know we'll get into obviously you being a grad teacher and you just say yes to things and I was teaching five brand new classes my first year of teaching doing the musical and I literally feel as though I had no idea what I was doing and you now are the choreographer for mm. the musicals, which is amazing and kind of like a nice baton to pass on to the to an ex-student. But, I mean, you need time to plan. And I remember getting to those rehearsals and being told, can you choreograph this now and having no idea. And so I do apologise for putting you in that oh. position. <laughs> and that idea freaks me out because I'm someone that is very organised. I like to think that I prepare for things. And so the idea of just being told you're doing this dance. Yeah would be an absolute nightmare for me yes so well done thank you (laughs) thank you it was very hard so giving the backstory obviously I eventually went on to teach you in year 12 for year 12 biology and we've remained in contact and you are now a colleague of mine so I'd like to ask you what you think your students would say about you as a teacher oh I'd hate to say something and then the students be listening and going oh she's nothing like that (laughs) but I like Look, I like to think I'm pretty reasonable. I would like to think that if someone was to describe my expectations, they would say that I was fair. For example, I never give homework that's due the next day, particularly for VCE students, because I understand that they have work commitments, they have other things in their lives. Obviously, we do expect homework to some degree, but things like making sure that you prepare and go, this is due in a couple of nights' time, So make sure that you plan for that. And I think that's pretty fair. Mm. I was talking to a colleague a few weeks ago and we share a year 11 student and 
she said that the student described me as calm Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really lovely because I don't think if someone described me maybe my first couple of years they would have described me as calm okay Um, how do you think they would have described you in those first few years then because you're in your fourth year now I'm fifth year now it's crazy yeah Yeah. look I don't think I was erratic but I think I was certainly more I guess I was more worried about being on top of things and so I was very much wanting to be the leader in the classroom I suppose whereas I've really let that go over the last couple of years and realized that that's not necessary Um, and I think that's allowed me to feel calmer and to create that sense of calm that they're feeling hopefully uh, in the classroom. So let's talk about that. You've said that you realised that being the leader in the classroom, perhaps having all eyes on you at all times and being, I'd like to describe it as like the performer, Mm. not needing to be that anymore. So what do you think that realisation was? Uh, I think it just really came from getting that experience and realising that you didn't need to know everything. You don't have to know everything Mm because I think that was the biggest worry when I Particularly when I got the job, there was a couple of subjects that I was being told I was going to teach that I probably didn't feel as comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so I was very much worried about making sure I knew the content, making sure that if there was questions that were asked, was I going to know the answer? And as a graduate, I think that's something that is very common Yeah, because you don't want to be asked that question that you don't know the answer to and they find out that you're a graduate or they find out that you're new and yeah um I remember yeah I remember (laughs) I taught marine science in the first year which wasn't something I was you know I didn't do at uni Uh, it wasn't something that I was specifically trained in but obviously as a science teacher I'm able to teach it and I remember within the first couple of weeks they were doing an activity and one of the kids just asked me is coral an animal or a plant such a simple question, but I hadn't considered it. I blanked at the time. I hit it by saying, well, let's look it up. I want you to find out what kingdom is it in. But things like that can really freak you out as a graduate because, I mean, I'm a marine science teacher. I should know what coral is. Yeah. (laughs) So I think those sorts of things I'm not worried about anymore. If students ask me a question, particularly for science topics, if I don't know the answer, I, I tell them. And we find it out together and we learn from that. And I think that yeah. makes you seem more human and more in touch with them as well. Exactly. And I also wonder now being an older teacher, whether or not I would just tell them the answer. It's funny as a grad teacher, you feel like you have to have all the answers and yet I probably have more answers. Well, I hope I have more answers now than I yeah. did when I first started teaching, but I probably would still say, well, why don't we find out yeah. rather yeah. than just give them the answer? Because what's the learning opportunity in that? Exactly. And they'll probably learn something else as well. Like they might see that, you know, things that are in the animal kingdom are called animalia and they've Mm -hmm. actually learned something that they weren't planning on learning about. From memory, teaching was not going to be the job at the end of year 12. So can you tell me about how we're here? You know, you're five years into teaching and it was not the plan. It's a bit of a long story. It's a, I've had to think about it and I might go through the sort of journey that got me to being a teacher because it didn't seem like it but it was actually something that very early on I thought I wanted to do and I sort of went a different way so in primary school I had wonderful teachers I loved school and so 
I just wanted to be a teacher. I would go home. My little sister was in the classroom with me. I would make a mark book. I would do all the things that you would do if you're a teacher at home. I would write on the whiteboard, all of those sorts of things. If someone asked me what I wanted to be, I would say I wanted to be a teacher. Probably at that point, probably a primary school teacher because that's all I really Mm -hmm. knew. And then probably the change happened around year nine or 10. I started doing psychology, which is now what I teach. And I just loved it. I loved learning the content. I remember learning the things that I teach my year 11s and 12s now. So I remember learning about Jane Elliott. I remember learning about Zimbardo's experiment and I just loved it. And so I remember speaking to a few people and I guess the obvious answer is when you say you like psychology is like, oh, well, you should be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I think I got in my head, yeah, I could be a psychologist. I like talking to people. I like psychology as a subject. And so it shifted a little bit. I still always had teaching in the back mm. of my mind. It never went. But at the same time, I was like, yep, psychology, I love it. Makes sense. I'll do psychology. I'll be a psychologist. And then when we did our VTAC applications, I was flipping between, obviously, there's lots of course options. I was flipping between different unis, different courses. And so I had sort of a combination. I had science degrees in my VTAC application. I had science and education degrees just as the option because I knew that teaching was something I really liked. And so it made sense to me to have it in a double degree and potentially have both options because I could still progress through the psychology part of it or I could do the education part and go on and be a teacher. I look back and I'm so, so grateful that I changed my first preference on the day we got our ATARs. Yeah, right. It was nothing to do with my ATAR because I was fortunate that my ATAR allowed me to do all of my options. Can I just Um, jump in and say I wouldn't say that you're fortunate. I think that you worked very hard. I think that you... Yeah, there was no luck involved in that, Ebony. I'd just like to put that on the record, but yes, continue your story. Uh, Thank you. So (laughs) I changed my course because I had science just as the degree on its own at a uni that didn't offer the double. And so I actually changed it to science education at a uni that did offer the double. And I'm so grateful I did that because I then obviously went into the course. I still had psychology or I did all the units so if I wanted to do honours, masters, all of that now I could do it because I've done all the APAC accredited units but as soon as I started those placements I knew that's where I belonged. I loved it. I loved it. So describe that feeling walking into a classroom how did you know that that's where you needed to be? I just felt so comfortable. I loved interacting with the kids I loved hearing their stories. I loved learning from them. And then particularly when the placements went to secondary, which was second, third and fourth year, I really enjoyed them learning things that I love about, like I love. It's so nice. You get mm-hmm. to see their them experience that first experience of learning the topics and see them develop through it. And it just, yeah, it just fitted. It felt so yep. right. You know whether you want to be primary or secondary, I think. Yes. I think there's very few people that flip between. Like I really believe that primary teachers, it's for the love of teaching. 
Whereas I think for secondary, it's for the love of the subject yeah. and imparting that on somebody else. And then oftentimes when you're in that role, you begin to love the teaching in a way that you weren't necessarily anticipating. Well, at least that's what I found. And I see that in a lot of other people I've interviewed as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I couldn't imagine myself being a primary school teacher. I don't think I have the patience for it, um, to be completely honest. I think primary yeah. school teachers have so much patience yeah I don't think I have that and yeah I I just really enjoy sharing particularly psychology because that's obviously what I teach mostly now Um, but when I taught biology and teaching general science as well I love sharing that new information with them. So reflecting back on your time as a student did you have some teachers that made an impact on you? I was so lucky in that I really had excellent teachers from primary school into secondary school. I mm-hmm. And it was a real mix. I had a real mix of people. When I think back, I think they all probably had a couple of things in common, the, one, the teachers that I liked and that had an impact. They probably did have boundaries and they were quite mm-hmm. firm. I think teachers that didn't have those clear boundaries, I don't think I... Oh, for lack of a better word, respected. Okay, so can Um, you describe what that might have looked like to you, somebody who as a student you acknowledged or you could recognise that their boundaries were too relaxed? What did that look like to you? It was probably the classroom management in itself. So as someone who loved to learn, I found people that were distracting, people that were dominating the class to be annoying And so I wanted someone to be telling them that that wasn't what needed to be done and I wanted to see those consequences. I didn't want, you know, a super strict classroom. I liked being able to talk to my peers. I liked being able to feel comfortable in the classroom, but I certainly respected when there was boundaries and when we could all learn and have those opportunities and not be distracted by others. Mm -hmm. What else did those teachers have in common, did you find? I also then found that they were approachable. They were people that I felt like I could have a conversation with. So like yourself, because obviously I had you in Year 12 bio, but I knew you well before Year 12 bio because we'd interacted with each other from Year 8 up until when I was in Year 12. And so I knew I wanted to have you as a teacher before I'd even been in your classroom because you you made me feel comfortable. And so it it was those things that made me respect and make, made me like the teachers that I had because I could have a conversation with them. They were approachable. They were fair. They were all the things that hopefully I am. (laughs) I think I've given you this, I feel it's a compliment, but certainly um, an observation for that students have said to me about you, which is the fact that you have such a dry sense of humour and so you (sighs) seem quite serious. And then when you sort of allow them into a joke, it's a privilege. They really feel as though, oh, you know, I get something that she doesn't give everybody. And I think that whether you realise it or not, that is certainly something that students really appreciate about you, that once there's that sort of chink in the professionalism, it makes them feel really part of something special, I think, which is, which I don't think a lot of teachers can do. So I think it's very important that you know that you are able to cultivate that. Oh, thank you. Hopefully, hopefully they don't just think I'm a fool at the front of the classroom making all these jokes and no one's laughing. But No, no, no. But I still remember in Year 12 getting everyone to share their revision strategies. Do you remember this? And you got up with a whiteboard Mm. and you showed everybody how you actually 
study and it was to teach, you know, whether it was a teddy bear in your room, your pillow, your sister, and you would have your whiteboard and you would be writing on it. And I thought at the time in amongst your cohort, I can't imagine anyone else would have necessarily been doing that. And you were honest about this is actually how I study. I, I take pride and it's a real effort. And I think you taught people in that room a way to study because not many people considered doing that. Yeah, I remember doing that and I still tell my year 12s when, or year 11s or any year level when they ask for study tips and things to do, I always use that as my first. I say teach someone. It doesn't actually have to be someone that is there. Yeah. Just start teaching it out loud because as soon as you start saying it out loud and teaching it out loud, you work out what you don't know because mm-hmm. you realise the gaps if you can get someone to listen, great, but I guess there was a limit to teaching my younger sister. I probably couldn't teach her all the year 12 subjects. Yep. But if you can get someone to listen and they can ask questions, as soon as they ask a question that you don't know the answer to, think, is that something I should know? And if mm. I should know it, that's what I need to be reviewing. And it also changes, like you can't rote learn something when you teach. No. Because someone will ask you a question that the definition won't quite answer fully and so you have to have ways of reframing things and perhaps bringing an example in or shifting your language and if you have wrote learned something or you have just memorized it you will come unstuck really fast so it's such a good revision strategy yeah absolutely and I think for the subjects that I did because I did psychology and biology as two of the subjects you can't wrote learn those subjects none of the questions in the exam or very very rarely are they define they're always application. And so I knew that I needed to have a good understanding. I actually mm. needed to have a deep understanding of the topics so that hopefully I could then apply it to scenarios that I wasn't so familiar with. Yeah. Talk to me about the decision to come back to the school that you're a student at. It was a pretty easy one. Um, <laughs> I loved I loved the school that we teach at. I, yeah. I remember going there, if I go way back, I remember visiting there when I was in year six and we did the tours of the school and it wasn't actually the school I was zoned for. So to be able to go to that school, I would have to sit an academic test and that was the only way that I was going to be able to go to that school. And so long story short, I obviously got into the school and I was just really proud to be at the school as a student, really proud. I remember wearing the school uniform and if I caught the bus home, I was proud for people to see that I went to that school and that I belonged to that community. And so that continued. I was really happy to be there the whole time. When I went to uni, obviously in uni lectures, in tutorials, when you don't really know people, the first sort of question that you get asked is, oh, where are you from? What school did you go to? And I yeah. guess I guess the suburb or the area that our school is in can have a reputation and people don't realise that the school itself is actually very good. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when I would say the school, people would be like, oh, that must have been interesting. Yeah. And I would very, very proudly say it's an excellent school. I was very lucky yeah. to go there. And I think people were a bit surprised because... It's a public school, it's a government school and a lot of people at uni that I was interacting with went to private schools. And so Mm -hmm. I think they were surprised that I was so proud to be from that school. And so I always at uni when I went to other schools for placement, 
I always sort of compared it. I went, okay, okay. I mean, that's good, but I feel yeah. like this school did it better. And because I was still in contact with you and a couple of other teachers from the school, yeah, I did have that connection and I felt like, oh, that's not what they're doing. It sort yeah. of feels better there. And yeah. maybe it was a bit of rose-coloured glasses. I was from that school. I, you know, wasn't going to see anything different, but I was always comparing it. And so when it got to fourth year and I had to seriously start thinking about jobs, I actually didn't think I had a chance of getting a job at our school Mm -hmm. because I just remember the teachers being of such high calibre and uh, saying that now out loud, it makes me sound like, oh, I must be so good. But I I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that at all. No. (laughs) Yeah, like I thought, oh, you know, they're not going to hire a graduate. I'm going to have to get some experience elsewhere. And then hopefully once I've got that experience, I'll then be a strong applicant for the job at that school. So I always mm-hmm. had as a, as a long term, I hoped that maybe in a few years time I would be there. And then obviously the job opportunity came up. Sure did. Well, to give the audience an understanding, it was the entire biology team pretty much left mm. in one foul swoop. And yeah. I was going off to have my first child. One of the other biology teachers moved on to a school closer to their home. And I was very quick on HR's door saying, there's this girl that you need to be looking at. So, and I still remember getting a call. I think I was on, I must've been on maternity leave when you officially got the job. Was it just before I left? quite yet because I got it in the September holidays. Okay. I remembered, so I certainly remember getting a phone call at home. So there you go. I must've been on holidays at the time. Yeah. And being like, yes, I'm so excited. And it felt so nice to know that you were coming in to take the reins of the faculty that I loved dearly mm. and was sort of going. So it was, for, for me at least, it felt like a really nice legacy to leave. Oh, and it was so nice that you put in a good word and it was it was really nice to be able to come back and now it's so nice that you're now back. Yeah, finally. that we get to work <laughs> together. So what um, has it been? Because I have literally been away for four years and I'm super excited because we're now actually teaching year sevens together yes. so we haven't even taught the same year level together so we'll no. actually be working together which will be really lovely for next year but what has it been like working with the teachers that taught you that is probably the most common answer or question sorry that I get asked when I say I work at the school I went to they're like oh what's it like yeah. what's it like being with the teachers that you you know had it's really nice <laughs> I was I mean I wasn't worried about it because I like to think I was pretty well behaved as a student. I don't think I left any sour no, feelings didn't. towards anyone. And so it's really nice. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be able to talk to people that I really respected as teachers and now have really good friendships with. I'm able to interact with them in a completely different way. And my closest friends are at work, so yeah. it's a real privilege to to be back. And I guess it was a little bit strange having to call people by their first name. Yeah. That probably took a little while, but <laughs> now I'm okay with it. So I feel like it's pretty clear the type of student you were at school. Like you were the student who wanted to learn, that was excited to learn, felt really proud of the school that you went to. I mean, that is not a reflection of all the students that we teach. So how has that been for you, understanding that the students in your class are not necessarily like you? How do you mm. deal with that? I think it's definitely something that is more challenging than 
someone that perhaps was at the other end and can relate to those students. I remember seeing those students, but I wasn't one of them. And so for me, I love learning. And so when kids don't want to learn things or don't have that sense of we're learning something new, I do find that a little bit tricky. I feel like I can understand it a little bit more just from being exposed to students and I had friends that were like that so I wasn't completely ignorant to it but I do think it took a little while in first year when I had year 10 students that didn't want to do anything Hmm. it surprised me because I just never was like that even if it was a subject that I didn't love or have a passion for I still felt like I needed to try my best and some students don't have that feeling towards your subject and so that can be really tricky but it can also be a really good opportunity to see well what are they passionate about how can I get them Mm -hmm. to realize that science isn't that bad (laughs) how can I get them in without realizing that they're learning science and that they're applying it so I'd love to know are there some strategies that you can impart because I know that there's a lot of pre-service teachers here that listen you know what kinds of things have you learned that you've you know added to your toolkit to those students that are apathetic, that aren't interested. I can tell you a number from being a core subject teacher like yourself as well. It's so hard. Mm. At least psychology and biology they're choosing by the mm. end. English is yeah. still core. You know, I still mm-hmm. get kids that rock in and go, I hate this. So what strategies do yeah. you have? I think probably showing understanding would be my first piece of advice and I think I did that pretty early on because I had a couple of Year 10 science classes in my first year And year 10 science is an interesting one because it's compulsory, but it's the last year that it's compulsory. So you've got a real mix. You've got students that cannot wait to do the chemistry, the biology, the psychology, the physics. Then you've got students that are not engaged. They're not interested in doing science. It's not something that they're interested in. And so I think showing understanding, first of all, so actually saying to them, I understand but this might not be something that you want to pursue in the future, but let's use that as an opportunity. Let's see what skills we can develop and just showing that understanding initially that they don't have to love the same things as you Mm -hmm. because they probably enjoy subjects that I didn't necessarily like. And so I think it would be naive if I went in there and went, everyone's going to love science. You all have to love it. And let's just move on from that. So that's probably the first thing just, Mm -hmm actually show understanding and don't be afraid to say that yep I understand this subject might not be for you but let's see how we can how we can get through it then probably actually trying to work out well how can I get them interested so if it's a topic something like genetics genetics is one that you can really make relevant Mm -hmm. and so maybe you don't spend as much time on things like mitosis because it's not as tangible. Yeah. Maybe you spend more time on things like pedigrees mm-hmm. and explaining why they have blue eyes but both their parents have brown eyes. Yeah. And that might be something that they remember forever and explain to people, I have blue eyes because both my parents had the recessive gene. It's so funny you bring that up because that was the moment in middle school that I remember liking science. Before that I was kind of yeah. like what is this Bunsen burner and who cares. Yeah. You Absolutely. know. And that was the one time that I was like, oh, this act- I can actually insert myself into this situation. So it's interesting, isn't it? Whereas I teach year sevens and they're all into the chemistry. All they want is the explosion and the big big bang in some way. Genetics is such a good one, especially at year 10. 
Oh, it's so good. And I think I, if I think back to year seven, I didn't love science in year seven and it was probably because I hadn't found that relevance yet. It was something that was very new. Um, it was something that we didn't cover in primary school at all. And so I think it took until we'd sort of, sort of learned the basics, I suppose, and learned all those fundamentals. And then when we got to year eight and started doing like body systems, yeah. cells, that next step up, that's when I went, okay, now I understand why we've done all that fundamental stuff. This is actually really cool. I can now explain to people why we need to do these things yeah. and why this happens. I've asked you a couple of questions already for pre-service teachers. Is there anything mm. else you'd like to say for pre-service teachers just to get them understanding what even that first year is like in the job? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously incredibly special. Uh, it's your first year. I remember my, when I said goodbye to my first year 12s, it was a real special moment because it is such a big year. I think I would probably say, try and be organized that's probably something that I found really useful don't have to be working all the time but organization I found really useful looking ahead thinking about what things are coming up what do I need to do to prepare for that just so that you're not having to do things last minute because last minute things will come up they yeah. come up in teaching and so if you can prevent yourself from having to do things that don't need to be last minute I think that's really important if I sort of step back from pre-service and just go well I guess stepping back from grad and going into pre-service my biggest advice would be when you're applying for schools really look at the school mm. rather than the job because if I like I majored in psychology if I was waiting for a psychology job at the school we teach at, I would still be waiting. Correct. Because there hasn't been one advertised. So if you see a job at a school that you are really interested in, obviously apply for something you're qualified for. So I'm not saying apply for a history job if you're science trained, yeah. but don't think, oh, I don't really want to teach that subject. I don't want to just teach general science. I want to be able to teach my method. Because once you're in the school, as yeah. we know, it changes. Yeah. And so biology, I got the job as a biology teacher. I taught biology for four years. I don't teach biology anymore. I now teach three VCE psychology, which... It's the dream. Yeah. In, it is the dream. It wasn't in my <laughs> application though. And yeah. so if I, was, if I was looking at it and going, oh, I really want a psychology job, I might be at a school that I'm not as happy with. So I definitely think consider the school rather than the job. It's good advice. That's very good advice. The other thing I, I think, I don't know if I ever said this to you, but start writing comments for your reports early as a grad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have even just a little Word document with each student's name in a table and any little thing that they do, just start jotting little things down so you have, yeah. you know, even half a comment. Because that to me is always the hardest thing is to, and I don't know about you, but, you know, they come up with comment banks and things. And I, if I ever use them, I end up changing mm. half of it anyway mm. because it's too generic. Yeah, so absolutely. that would be my big advice as a grad teacher. Start your comments early. Just, you know, any little assignments that they do, maybe something that they've said in class that's really resonated with you, just pop it down in your little Word document and keep it there for yourself for reports. Yeah, and it keeps it more personal as well. It means that you're not writing reports that are 
quite generic. Mm. You're actually writing things when the kids read it, they go, oh, yes, she actually paid attention to that and she actually remembers that. I'd love to ask you, have there been any students that have made an impact on you in your five years? Oh, there's so many. Um, I mean, I'd like to think that every student has an impact in some way. I think I have to start off with the year 12s this year. I just, I have to. Yeah. They are just so resilient. I was so impressed by them because I had, I had them in year 11 and then I was lucky enough to have some of them in year 12 and get a new sort of group in year 12. But the whole group of them across the state, across the country, they missed out on all the fun stuff. Yeah. All the stuff, all the stuff that makes VCE fun the Debs, the formals, the camps, all of that was gone. And so they were really just left with the study aspect, which I think if they didn't have a goal would be incredibly difficult. It would be incredibly difficult to stay motivated and even just engaged in school if you didn't have that end goal. And so I said it to my year 12s on the last day and I'm not a super emotional person. I don't <laughs> tend to cry. Um, yeah. There'll be people crying all around me, and I'll feel like, oh, I probably should have some tears. But when <laughs> I spoke, emotion, yeah. <laughs> when I spoke to my year twelves on that last day with them, I did have a little bit of a tear because I was just so proud of them. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine having such a difficult couple of years, and yet they were the ones saying to me, "Thank you so much for your efforts and writing these beautiful cards." You know, they were the ones that had such a tough time. We get to, you know, do it all again next year. I get to teach that course again. I get to do all of that and meet a new bunch, but they don't get to do VCE again. And so I think their resilience has made an impact because I've realised it's not that bad sometimes. Things yeah. things may seem bad, but there are people that might be experiencing worse and I'm certainly not downplaying how we feel, but... Yeah, it, that's probably a big one. Um, yeah. And then if I think about that that cohort, there was a student that we both had. Okay. I had I had last year, you had this year. And I remember I had him in year 10 science and lovely, absolutely lovely kid. And he seemed to really engage in the subject and he started asking about halfway through in term three, maybe early term four, He asked me if he would be able to do biology without doing year 11. And I said to him, yes, you could. It would be a lot of work though. So you would need to be prepared to do the stuff that is assumed knowledge. And I knew he would do that. And so if he wasn't someone that would be doing that, I would probably be saying it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Perhaps you need to do year 11 first. And so anyway, he... He ended up picking year 12 and we obviously don't have any control over our class lists, but yeah. had my fingers crossed. I was like, yeah. oh, it'd be so nice. <laughs> be nice. It'd be so nice. And, yep, he was he was on the roll. And I remember we were just having a class. It was probably term, I'm thinking it was term three, but I think we were in lockdown for a lot of term three last year. So I don't know when it was, but yeah. at some point late in the year. Yeah. Yeah. We were in the classroom and it was just one of those lessons where we'd done a bit of work and they were just working on their own things. So I was walking around having a bit of a chat and I remember him saying, I hated biology until I had you. And that was massive. Yeah, massive. This is a kid that's now sitting in year 12 biology without doing year 11 
and shows it as he's accelerated. And so for him then to turn around and say that, I was blown away. And I said, well, you know, that's my billboard. That's my advertisement. (laughs) Please tell other children that. And he said, I will. And that made a huge impact because biology wasn't wasn't my major. It wasn't something, it was one of the subjects when I taught in first year, I had to really make sure I was on top of the content. I needed to make sure that I knew the course well and because it wasn't something I was as familiar with compared to psychology. And so fast forward to four years, I never dreamt that I would have a kid saying that I changed their perspective of it and that they ended up choosing it and I think really enjoyed it, hopefully. That's um, huge. Go you. Yeah. That's so that's a really big thing. Yeah, it felt it felt really good. And I guess if I was to have another one, because I do have another one that was probably another impact one, but not academic, yep. very much a well being one. I had a student a couple of years ago, one of those kids that you love having that sits at the back and nods. So when you're teaching gives you those nods of yes and you feel like okay I'm not completely talking gibberish yeah someone in the room gets me even if the other 25 don't yeah you can look over at that kid and they're nodding and they're you're I got you and I'm like okay good and so this kid did that a lot and it was very reassuring and so (laughs) one class they came in and they were very quiet very quiet and I noticed it but I'm not someone that likes to make a scene and make things very obvious. So I watched it. I didn't pull him up for any questions. I didn't, I was going to do a group activity. I changed my mind. I was like, no, this isn't going to work today. And so at the end of the class, he stuck around just sort of packing up. He wasn't staying around, you know, by his own choice. And I asked if I could just talk to him and I asked him if he was okay And he said no. And it was very clear that he was not okay. And so I knew that my my job was not to leave him, but it was also Mm. not my job to start talking to him because Mm. I knew that that was not appropriate. And so I said that I needed to take him to wellbeing. Yeah. Um, And I needed to make sure that I took him. I wasn't going to send him there. I knew that this was something that really needed to be done myself I needed to watch him go into that room and so I walked in there went about my day a couple of days later back in the classroom and he waited around at the end and he thanked me and he thanked me for saving his life Mm. which was massive yeah um yeah it was massive and I'm still in touch with him through social media and so I posted something about Are You OK Day the following year and he messaged me and said, again, the same sentiments and I think that just really made me realise the responsibility that we have because he was in other classes though that day. I was not the first person that he saw. Yeah. And I'd hate to think, yeah, I'd hate to think. And so it really made me think how much responsibility we have and also how how trusting we can be because he could have just said I'm fine yeah, yeah. and left and so yeah. yeah very different to the other story but one that as soon as I see someone that's not as they normally are whatever that might look like 
I like to think that I try and call them up on it and make sure that they're okay. Yeah, huge. huge. And I think we as high school teachers and the older that we, that they get, the more adult mm-hmm. their problems become. And you obviously made that student feel safe enough that he could come to you in any state and you would have his back. And I think that that's a huge compliment to obviously how you made him feel in your classroom. And this is the hard, it's such a hard one, I think, as a teacher, because you're told constantly that, you know, you need to have authority and be a disciplinarian and create boundaries and all of those things. But, you know, this is how we started the conversation. Those boundaries are not, I'm over here and you're over there. No. It's not that. It's about, these are my expectations, but I'm still a human that cares about you and I'm a safe space. You don't have to divulge your deeper secrets to me and in fact it's actually not okay for them to do that as an as an educator and and you did exactly what you should do but you do get yourself into into these situations sometimes where if you hadn't have created a a comfort for him Mm. he wouldn't have come to you yeah and I think thinking back I don't know if I would have had students in my first and second year do that yeah I don't think I would have because I think the focus was different and it's not that I didn't care about them because I very much wanted to connect with them but I do think it's different now that I have that experience I do feel hopefully that that has developed a little bit yeah I find even to being older and having children yeah shifted the way that I connect with them so I think that there's like these phases within teaching where you connect Mm. with them because you're young yes it's not that been that long whereas now I I look at them like how would I want an educator to treat my child you know, and I connected yes. them yeah. that way. So it's, there's always a way. There's always a way no matter where you are in your life, I think. Yeah, and I think if we go from that, I think as a grad that was a real benefit actually being yeah. able to connect with them because I was super worried about that. I was worried. I looked super young. To give people an idea, I got the job when I was 21. Yeah. I turned I turned 22 a month before we started school. And so I was very much scared that they were going to think that I was too young. Yeah. But that was alleviated very quickly because they realised that I wasn't that disconnected from them. And I'm certainly not saying that experienced teachers aren't disconnected because they have incredible connections. But I think grad teachers need to have confidence in that. Because I remember going into my first parent teachers and being nervous that t- that parents were going to look at me and go, she's too young, she doesn't have enough experience. But it was not like that at all. Parents, I had a few parents say, oh, you would know what it was like. It wasn't that long ago since you did it. And so use that. Yeah. <laughs> use it to your advantage and don't worry about it. I wish we knew that earlier, don't you reckon? Like I considered yep. my grad year and I really felt concerned that I would be exposed in Absolutely. some way being so young and yet I now look back on that time because I can't recreate it you know I can't no. I can't be no. glad again and, and be sort of in it like you're kind of in it with them at that time yes absolutely I remember going into my first year seven class and really wanting them to feel like I'd been there a long time and so because I knew the it's school so not the same. I tried to I tried to embed things like I, I asked them at the end of the lesson do you guys have any questions for me? And they asked me where classrooms were. And because I was familiar with the school, I told them. And so that was my subtle way of sort of saying, 
I'm not yeah. brand new. Even yeah. though I was, I really wanted to hide it. And so that was my way of doing that. I couldn't couldn't do that with my year 12s because my sister was yeah, in year 12. Right. And so they yeah. they very much knew how old I was, but they didn't mind as much because they they liked that I was fresh and they liked that I yeah had that connection and understood what it was like to be in year 12 not that long ago. Yeah, and they do. They really do. And I think wherever you are in your teaching career, that focus on connection in an authentic way is very, very important. Absolutely. Yeah. What has been so far the most exciting part of the job? Oh, the most exciting. I I love going to work. So this one's a hard one because I can't, I can think of all the not exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, like the yard duty. Yeah. But but at the same time, um, you love going to work, so there must be some good stuff. Yeah, there is. So yeah. I think, look, I love being part of the school productions. Yeah. I, as a student, I loved it. I loved the sense of belonging. I loved the opportunity to meet new people that weren't in my classes but shared the same same passions. And so for me now to see that on the other the other side and see kids that perhaps don't talk a lot in class or perhaps don't seem to have, you know, they might have one friend in your class and you wonder are they connected with a few people within the school and to then see them in things like the production and go, oh, that's that's where they belong, that's where they're, that's their happy place. And so I've really enjoyed that. The team is phenomenal. I love working with the team and the kids are just amazing. And I never thought I would do something like this. I've got dancing oh, really? experience. Yeah, like I've got dancing experience, but I was always so so in awe of you that you could choreograph <laughs> all these big groups and I would always wonder if I was given that, there's no way I'd be able to give choreography. I'm someone that's very much give me the choreography, I'll learn it, I'll nail it, I'll do it. Yeah, we but, also need to reflect on that first year choreography of the, the lunges. <laughs> like let's be fair. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure there's kids that were probably in ones a couple of years ago that go, oh, Miss Burns did that to me, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing and it's not, it's not a classroom one obviously, but just being part of that and seeing, even seeing the growth. So seeing kids come in, I've been part of it for five years now. So seeing kids that auditioned in year seven and then seeing them audition as a year 10 or year 11, and seeing that change, seeing that that development in perhaps it's their dancing skills, their singing, or just their confidence, they come yep. in more confident, which is yep. amazing. And also the leadership. I mean, I'm sure that you are one of my leaders and supporting yeah. me as a as a choreographer because I had to I had our sort of dance group that I would work with, but then I had to do the whole ensemble things, and so you would be there as someone backing me up really and helping with the choreography if I wasn't there and teaching kids that missed out. And so you can really see students' leadership skills that they wouldn't have an opportunity to show you in a classroom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you get to see them leading in something that they're they're comfortable with because perhaps in the classroom they're not comfortable with the content or they're comfortable with the skills that you're doing. And so to see them then lead a group without you being involved at all. Yeah. Like you can watch a group and they'll literally be, you know, talking to each other and saying, no, this is what we did, this is what happens next, all of that. And you don't have to be involved at all. Yeah. Because you've got all those people that are just leading the group. It's really yeah. nice to see. Yeah, I agree. And also not necessarily their peers too, which I think 
you know, as a year 10, supporting a lot, a lot of your sevens and eights. Mm. You know, it's also a, a safe space sometimes to be in too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what they've missed. And so we're so grateful that we can do it. We can actually put on our show this year because yeah. I think that was really missed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, COVID, such a hard time. With, oh, um, yeah. Everything's shutting down. So it's going to be amazing. I'm going to take Hopefully. a little bit. It's going to be good. Hopefully. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to know some of your hopes for education. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really big one. And I guess I've obviously listened to a lot of your podcasts and very much like other people, I'm not going to have a solution to this, but I do have one that has, I guess, bothered me for a little while. And my, I guess my hope, and it's not education, it's more related to teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So teachers themselves, I would love for teaching as a career to be seen as more, trying to think of the right word, be valued more yeah yeah more valued and so I'm not saying that teachers aren't valued but I think if I think about my experiences so when I got my ATAR Mm -hmm. and I told people that I was doing teaching their first response was often oh you could do something else Mm. like you could do whatever other courses and Mm. I think it's not something I'm comfortable with I don't like that people go oh well that's a waste you should do I don't know biomed or you should do law no you know I I want to be a teacher yeah it's a big responsibility and so I think that really needs to shift and it's a massive shift because I wouldn't even know how to how to start it yeah because I guess people perhaps see earning opportunities as different but I'm very happy with what I earn I don't I'm not displeased with it and so I wonder if that's a reason why I think maybe people don't want to do it maybe they see the bad aspects of teaching and so that that makes them not want to do it but I think I yeah I really want to see it valued more because if I think about my experience and then if I think about friends of mine or or people that I know and they'll do other courses and then they'll say the line that kills me and I have to really bite my tongue a little bit, yeah. they'll go, oh, if I don't get a job in that, I'll mm. just do teaching. Yeah. And it really, really bugs me because they're just, like just mm. doing teaching, it's not it's not a job you can just do. You can't, no. You can't walk in and be responsible and engage up to 26 kids without liking it because it's a lot of effort. And so when people say that, again, I think it's a real, it's a big one. Yeah. But I think that also contributes to it. And then if I think about my experience with my fiancé, he's an engineer. And so when we meet people that don't really know either of us, when I read the room and read the conversation, as soon as they find out that he's an engineer, mm. I honestly think there's an assumption that they think that he's smarter and that he's more successful. And mm. I mean, I'm not going to compare us. I, I don't know. We could do a test or something, but <laughs> there's this real change in that yeah. I'm the teacher, he's an engineer. And so people see that as more prestigious, valued, prestigious. Yeah. Yeah. And so they assume that he must be smarter, more successful, 
which I don't think is the case because we both love our jobs and that's, I think, where the success lies. I'm wondering when you were talking, you know, I think about like Finland, obviously they really respect their teachers, Mm. but all of their teachers are highly, highly educated. In order to be a teacher over there, you have to have done master's Mm. at least, you know, to, to be a teacher. And there's something that I don't believe we necessarily need as educators because I actually think some of the best educators yeah. were really challenged at school. Absolutely. And I think Do you know if, what I mean? we, if we did put an academic point on it, I know people that are incredibly intelligent and very intelligent yeah. in their field, but get them to teach you something and you've got no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And so I don't think, I don't think that's the solution. When I think no. about it, you sort of go, Oh, maybe they need to, you know, increase the requirements, but that might get rid of people that would be really talented and would really be able to connect with the kids. And so I don't think that's the solution. Um, No, I agree. I, as a student, did what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't particularly excited by learning. I wasn't particularly enthused by what I was doing. I just did what I was supposed to do because that's the path that I was supposed to go down. And it really wasn't until my dip ed year I ended up on the honors list I did really really well because I was in a classroom in that environment actually made me really passionate about wanting to learn and and I wasn't having to learn the way everyone else wanted me to it was how am I going to learn to impart this on somebody else and so I think I'm a better student um because of this job yeah absolutely I think it's a really difficult one but I think the language around teaching and the prestige needs to change. Because even things like when I say that I'm a teacher, sometimes people's first reaction is, oh, the holidays must be great. Yeah, good one. Like, Yes, we get holidays and that is wonderful. I'm not going to complain about that either. But if someone told me their job, I don't often then pick the perk. I then usually ask them what it's like. And I might say, oh, that sounds incredibly difficult whatever they might be doing, I find it really strange that people go, oh, the holidays must be great. And it bothers me because if the holidays are so great, become a teacher. Yeah. But it's because because everyone's been in a classroom. That's what I've, that's what I've really distilled it down to is everybody's been in a classroom. Everybody feels as though they have an understanding of what your job is, even though, as you know, sitting Mm. on the other side of the desk is very, very different to actually being a teacher. But people have this this real sense of entitlement that they understand mm. your job because they were in a classroom and it's yes. not that at all. Yeah. No, not at all. And I think that's what people that say I'll just become a teacher probably have in their mind that the teachers that they saw and the parts that they saw, that's what it would be like. Whereas we know that that's absolutely not the case and that there are a lot of other facets. There's some difficult facets, but there's also some really rewarding parts of it. But just being in the classroom is actually the smallest part yeah. of the job. Yeah, I agree. All right, last question. And you said to me off or before we started recording that you were going to find this one maybe a bit difficult, but yeah. big life lessons, they can be school-related, but they don't have to be. I think I found this one hard because I feel like I've got so many more life lessons to have. Yeah. And so I feel like there's going to be things that I'll learn, but I think one thing for me that, I guess if I do a teaching-related one, don't take everything to heart. Mm. And so I think 
making sure that you separate the job and realise that things that kids say, they don't mean it to you. If they're acting up in your class, it's not usually you. It's usually something else. And so that's something that I think I've developed over the last sort of four or five years is that getting that separation and going, yep, that was maybe a class that I wasn't so happy with um, because of that behaviour, but that wasn't necessarily because of something I was doing. It was probably something else going on. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a teaching one. Um, If I think about generally, I saw a quote a few years ago and at the time I was having interactions with different people and when I saw this quote it really resonated and it really made me think about where I was spending my time and so the quote generally sort of goes instead of instead of saying that you don't have time for something say that it's not a priority and so it made me really think that it's okay if you don't want to do something but is it something that isn't a priority is that why you're not doing it have you said you're not doing that because it's not a priority which is absolutely fine but if you're not doing it because you think you don't have time is there something else that you could be not doing Mm -hmm. so I the things the people that I see the things that I do I always try and think is that my priority yeah is that what I want to be doing and so for me family is huge and so I want to be making sure that if the choice is between seeing family and doing something else am I am I choosing the one that's a priority Mm. and so I think that one is one that has stuck and it made me sort of consider things that I was perhaps spending time on that I didn't I didn't really need to because there's things that are a lot better yeah that's a good one. Considering you thought you didn't have an answer, oh, they were actually quite profound answers. It was it was a tough one because I felt <laughs> like, oh god, a twenty six year old giving life lessons. I've had younger. I've look. had younger on here. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe ask me in ten years, and I might have something new. That'll be good. That'll be you can, in ten years. You'll listen back on this and go, oh my god, look at look at all yeah. I've learned. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty normal. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. It's been so lovely considering we don't work on the same campus to actually have a proper teaching conversation. Yes. Um, it has, it has been, been lovely. Nice. It has been really nice. And as a long-term listener, it's nice to now be on it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you.